Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence and to worship you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here with us today. We thank you that uh, you're building us up in the faith, you're instructing us. We ask today that as we hear your word and hear the testimonies of what you're doing in and through us, that you would be honored and glorified. We also pray for the children that will be in class today, that you would uh, open their hearts to understand your word, that they grow in grace knowledge and faith, and love for you. We pray this, Lord, all in your name. And God's people said, amen. amen. Can be seated. Kids can go to class now. <clears throat> now today's uh, service will be a little different than usual because I won't be giving a, a full-length sermon. I know, don't clap, no. Uh, um, I'll only be speaking briefly. Because we're going to be, have um, some different people share about the work that they are doing, or should I say the work the Lord is doing through them um, in various avenues of ministry related to, uh, we could say, life issues, or some people would say the pro-life cause. Um, when we talk about this, we're not simply talking about pro-life in the narrow sense of uh, the issue of abortion. We're talking about helping the homeless uh, helping the poor, helping the orphan, helping the widow, as well as helping women that are in crisis situations and rescuing unborn children. There's a lot that the Lord is doing um, in our midst and through many people here, and we want to honor and affirm them today and next week. Now, let me just say, by way of introduction, um, some people do not like to talk about some of these things at church because church is supposed to be a happy time, right? We go to church to be, we go to, church to, to be built up. We go to church to talk about um, all the good things God has done, and we don't want to talk about the bad things in life. I understand that. I want to be happy too. Um, but the reality is we live in a fallen world. And the world is a very, uh, can be a very dark place, a very painful place. And um, it is not our calling to turn our eyes away from the truth. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you've heard the name. He was uh, a pastor in Germany at the time of Hitler. As a matter of fact, Bonhoeffer was uh, executed by the Nazis. He was hung in a concentration camp. He became a martyr for the faith. And um, Bonhoeffer, as you read his life and you read his uh, sermons, what you see is that he was confronted in Germany uh, with the reality of evil in, in, in very, very stark manifestations through the rise of Nazism. Um, but the thing I think that, that disheartened Bonhoeffer the most wasn't actually the evil of the Nazis. It was the apathy of the church. Because he was, a, he was in the minority, and much of his ministry was attempting to get the church in Germany at the time. And of course, he was in, the, in Lutheran circles, but he was connected with evangelicals and Reformed people um, throughout Germany and Europe, he, his, his uh, burden was not only uh, for justice and to 
rescue the Jewish people who were being led to slaughter, but to get the church to wake up to the reality of evil around them. And many Christians of his day, just like our day, didn't want to hear bad news. They wanted to go to church and think good thoughts and pious thoughts and not think about what was happening around them. And this is what he said to them in in one sermon. He said, um, There are those who think it is especially pious not to see the somber, dark side of life, to close one's eyes to the catastrophes of this world and to lead one's own contemplative life of piety in a spirit of peaceful optimism. However, it could never be good to cheat oneself out of the truth. Whoever cheats oneself out of the truth about one's own life, meaning his situation, his his environment, his society, uh, also cheats oneself out of God's truth. It is certainly never pious to close our eyes in situations where they have to see sad, horrible things, especially since, now listen to this, God gave us our eyes to see our neighbor in his need. Therefore, that is certainly never the right way to get rid of the things that frighten and depress us. Um, the, the, the way to deal with the evil around us is not to ignore it. To ignore it is to encourage it. When we are willing to look at evil in the face, what we find is not just evil. We find the God of grace. Why? Because the word of God says that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Um, I think of the story of Joseph. And and if we had time, we we could read uh, the chapters in Genesis. But the story of Joseph gives us an insight into a very... This, this very important principle that where sin abounded, God's grace abounded even more. Because when you read the story of Joseph, what you see is we see a story of envy, hatred, betrayal. We see Joseph sold into slavery. He was trafficked. A lot of discussion about trafficking today, right? He was... Uh, 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 When he got to Egypt, he was again slandered and falsely accused. He ended up in prison. He was forgotten in prison for a long time. And yet, through this entire story, this terrible tragedy from a human point of view, God was working his purpose. In other words, where sin was abounding, the sin of his brothers, the sin of Potiphar's wife, the sin of, I think it was the, the baker that left him in prison, forgotten. Through, through all of their sins, God was working. And we say, I don't understand how, how God works good out of evil. And I don't either. But we see this pattern in Scripture. So when, when, when Joseph finally is reconciled with his brothers, he says... But as for you, you meant evil, but God meant it for good. So in in the mystery of God's providence, he takes evil and he works within it and transforms it. and, And because his grace is operating, he brings good out of it. The ultimate example of this is Jesus Christ himself. 
Because when you read the Gospels, what you see, you see all this envy and this hatred. You see the betrayal, the denial. You know, we see Peter deny him. We see Judas betray Jesus. And it's, it's, from a human point of view, it's a heartbreaking story. Then we see the, the, the false accusations of the Pharisees, the calls to crucify Jesus. And in all of this, human passions are operating. Evil passions are operating. Yet what is happening is God is bringing his purpose to pass. God is working through denial. He's working through betrayal. He's working through um, uh, uh, hatred. To bring about the redemption of the world. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen? And so, we see this pattern in all of life. And so, when we want to look away from the dark side of life, what we actually turn away from is not just from, the, from evil. We're turning away from seeing God operating in the world. Because when you look at, at, at suffering in the world... And I don't mean look at it abstractly, but when you actually are willing to get involved, what you see is that God is real. God is working in people's lives. God is saving and redeeming even today. And so, um, we, as we remember the sanctity of human life, as we affirm life and celebrate life, we want to acknowledge and affirm those that are, that are being instruments of God's grace. Because you have to remember, God's grace is not just God's attitude. God's grace is his empowering us to do good in the world. God's grace is that which is operating in us and through us to show grace to those in need. And so today we're going to hear from uh, several people who are currently working in what we call the life arena. Lauren will come up in a moment, and he's now our director of our Zoe ministry. Zoe is the Greek word for life. He'll, he'll talk briefly about that ministry. Ben Grunder is with the Coalition for Life, a pro-life ministry. He'll be sharing. Steve Grunder will be sharing about outreach at Sunshine Mission. And then Hannah Vaughn will be speaking about the bridge and homeless ministry. All of these are, are uh, manifestations, really, of God's grace operating in the world. And that's what I love about the mystery of providence, is that, is that God takes us and uses us as instruments of his grace in the world in the face of need and suffering. Because he is good. Amen? Amen. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So I'd like to first, uh, let's welcome Lauren Maloney. Come forward. Share. Where is Lauren? You're welcome. Okay. Hi. So, excuse me, I thought we'd start at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. Um. This book here is God's Word. It's authoritative. It's uh, trustworthy. It's uh, accurate in everything that it speaks on. Um, it's lovely, beautiful, and it reveals propositional truth. One of the propositions that it affirms is that God created life. God created life. 
So Zoe, or Zoe, depending upon where you put the accent, uh, what does it mean? Well, there's a couple definitions, and like many words in English and Greek, there's a range of meanings. A lot of times that meaning is dependent on context, just like our words. Um, Zoe can mean um, a life. One word would be life, if you want to make it simple. But it can mean both physical life in the present or spiritual life, particularly in the future. Um, it can mean uh, all life throughout the universe. And this, uh, this dictionary went on to expound. It says it always comes from and is sustained by God's self-existent life. The Lord ultimately shares his gift of life with people, creating each in his image, which gives all the capacity to know his eternal life. Um, another source said uh, Zoe means, uh, can mean generally physical life and existence, particularly human life, of life or existence after arising from the dead. Life in the absolute sense and without end can also mean manner of conduct or morality when we say a godly or a moral life. Uh, the blessed life, life that satisfies, and lastly, eternal life. So Zoe is in um, distinction from its antecedents which are death and non-existence. Those are antonyms. So life, eternal life, life here on earth, the blessed life. That's what Zoe means. Let's look at a couple of verses first. In, uh, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 5. We'll start in verse 24. John 5, if we start in 24, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, that would be this, incidentally, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son also to have life in himself. So when we think of our physical life, we're dependent on all sorts of things for our physical life. Oxygen, most immediately, probably. We can't breathe. Water, food, um, those kind of things. But God has life in and of himself. You can take everything away from God, physically and immaterial for that matter, and he would still be existing forever and ever. He has life in himself. So that's one definition of the word uh, life. It's God's life, his existence, his blessed life. Let's look at Acts 17.25. Acts 17.25. Let's start in verse 24. It says this, The God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He himself gives. Notice the repetition on the pronouns, he himself. Almost all English translations translate it that way, except for uh, New King James. But, so there's probably an emphasis in the Greek, he himself not anyone else, God himself gives life to all mankind and breath and everything else. One last verse, let's look at John 10.10. 10. Uh, a passage I'm sure you're familiar with. 
So in chapter 9 of John, the man is born blind, and Jesus heals him, and the Pharisees are trying to figure out any way that they can explain this away. And they've already talked with his parents, and coming up with nothing there, they bring the guy in. And the guy basically schools him, for lack of a better word. And so they do what we frequently do. They called him a name and threw him out. So uh, these are the Pharisees. So Jesus is answering in chapter 10 to the Pharisees. He's talking about how he's the sheep. <clears throat> he's not the sheep. He's the sheep, uh, the shepherd. We're the sheep. And if you go to verse um, 8, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So I think, I wasn't in here, but I think I heard some people talking about Mike talking about parallelism last week. So this is an example of what's called antithetical parallelism. So at the beginning of verse 10, the thief comes to do one thing, the opposite. He comes to steal. Jesus comes to give. The thief comes to kill. Jesus comes to give life. And the thief comes to destroy, and Jesus comes to renew. And then he may have life and have it abundantly. I think that's a great verse for, for uh, Zoe, to have, not just have life, but have it abundantly. And so when you look at all of the ministries, we have quite a, a, well, we have a lot of ministries, a wide range of ministries um, that actually are life-related that you'll hear from today and next week a little bit. Uh, the Zoe Project desires to practically embody Jesus' mission expressed in John 10.10. Jesus has come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Zoe Project desires to educate, involve, and empower the local church to live this mission of Jesus in a new, sorry, mission of Jesus in a practical way. We want to offer, build, support, and fight for life in every aspect, including homelessness, labor, exploitation, sex trafficking, orphanhood, abortion, crime, and others. And uh, uh, let's turn to Psalm 82.3 real quick. This is a good verse about why God cares. There's a lot of verses, especially in the Old Testament, about God caring about the weak, those who aren't able to defend themselves. Psalm 82.3 could be translated defend the weak or give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. So that's really what we want to do. We want to defend the weak and the fatherless and we want to uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Humanity, and this is no longer, I think, just a given in America. There are a lot of worldviews, uh, atheism, pantheism, among others, that don't believe uh, what I'm about to say, that humanity is dignified. There would be people who would ardently argue against that. They would call that, uh, I don't know, what's the new word? Some kind of phobia, right? That you, that you favor humans, right? I mean, how dare you favor humans? Well, I favor humans because God favors humans. That's why I do it. So humanity is dignified by several things. One, by virtue of being a creation of God. Um, but more specifically, by, being a virtue, uh, by virtue of being created in God's image. So there are certain things that, that we reflect that animals, for example, don't reflect. They don't have the ability to reason. They don't have the ability to communicate as we do. Uh, they don't have the ability to worship God, to reason, to have emotions in the sense that we do. 
These are all things that God uh, has and that we uh, reflect being made in his image. Also, humankind is dignified by virtue of the incarnation. Now, this is a fascinating topic if you have time to look into it. I wish I had time to talk more about it. But thinking about the God of the universe, I mean, he could have come as an angel, as some heretics and false religions teach, right? He could have come with just taking on the form of body real quick, died, and then took off. He could have, as Adam and Eve, or at least as Adam was, he could have been born, or not born, but he could have came as a fully grown adult, as Adam probably was. He didn't do any of that. He came as a little tiny baby. And uh, once I had kids, it has a whole new meaning, right? You know, when you start seeing the babies and you're like, oh my gosh, this Jesus was like this at one point in time. He took on a full human nature. He, he entered into the human experience in, in every way imaginable to us. And that says a whole lot about what God thinks about humanity. That the God of the universe would come and live in a little baby and a child and a man and experience the things that we do, hunger and pain and tiredness and frustration. He, uh, he raised the bar for humanity forever with the incarnation. It's an amazing thought. And lastly, humanity is dignified by virtue of um, that we will be physically and spiritually resurrected. Our physical body will be. We'll still be human. Jesus is still human. He still has a human body. He's still in heaven, and he's human, and we will be too. We won't be translated into angelic form. Uh, we won't go into the cosmos and disintegrate or none of that. No, we're going to have a physical human body that, that God promises to resurrect. He didn't have to do that, but he's so interested in humanity that he did. So that's Zoe. That's life. So Ben is going to come up in a moment, talk about his work with Coalition of Life. They want to end abortion in St. Louis peacefully and prayerfully. And, you know, we're closer now than we ever have been before. We really are. Don't believe the, uh, don't believe the headlines. Um, thousands across St. Louis stand and offer free pregnancy options and counseling and silent prayer. We'll do that at some point this year. Uh, probably we'll go out and praise and, um, and, and pray silently. Uh, Steve's going to come up to talk about Sunshine Mission. Um, they're committed to providing the highest quality Christian social services to the poor and needy in St. Louis by offering healing from the past, help for the present, and hope for the future. And lastly, Hannah will talk about uh, her work at the bridge, an outreach that connects those experiencing homelessness with support they need to secure stable housing. Next week, Sandy's going to talk about Children of the Promise. They want to see, um, they want to see a healthy Christian family for every Haitian child. Uh, Austin's going to talk about Best Choice, which is a uh, ministry of Thrive. He goes in and talks to folks about uh, sexuality the way God meant it to be. Um, and lastly, Diane will talk about Thrive, and they obviously do all sorts of things. They do ultrasounds, pregnancy tests, adoption referrals. They have parenting classes. They provide assistance materially to um, women. And also, uh, we have Silver Cord here as well, the Silver Cord Ministry run by uh, Jamie and Laura. I don't think they're going to give a formal presentation per se, but they go to Garden View Care Center um, where the older folks are at, and they love on them a little bit. So life is an exciting thing. Life is something that God is very concerned about since he created it, and it's exciting to be a part of it. So I want to ask you to prayerfully consider joining God in the ministries that you're going to hear about. Um, you can join them in prayer. You can join them financially. You can join them with, their, with your time. 
And lastly, I wanted to read a verse that the Lord gave me, and I think us, for the issue of life. Psalm 37, verses 5 through 9. God says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate Lauren's work. Um, we're going to have Ben come up. He's with Coalition for Life. Where is Ben? There he is. Come on up, Ben. What's that? No. No. Are you going to do a rap or something, or what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, I could if you want to know. Uh, no, I don't like acting like I'm a pastor. No offense. Uh, um, I like being closer to you guys. Um, so like Lauren said, I work for Coalition for Life St. Louis, um, and our mission is ending abortion uh, in the St. Louis area peacefully and prayerfully. Um, so... I have the coolest job in the world. <laughs> I get to save babies, <laughs> and uh, I get paid for it. So that's pretty cool. I think it would be a cool job even if I didn't get paid. Who else thinks that? Raise your hand if you think it would be cool job. Yeah, keep your hands up because we have volunteer positions open. Um, so there's three main ways that we choose to uh, try to end up. There's three things that we try to do to end abortion in St. Louis. Uh, three main avenues. One is we have prayer campaigns, our 40 Days for Life campaigns that happen twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall, uh, and that involves uh, 40 days of people standing in, con- sorry, in a constant win- witness outside of Planned Parenthood. Uh, so, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., uh, we'll have people standing out there holding signs, praying all throughout the day. So, uh, and then our second thing is we have a Nexus conference where we inform the up-and-coming generation about how they can get involved, uh, what they can do to end abortion in the St. Louis area. Uh, And we had 300 people come out to that last year in March. Uh, We had different speakers visit, different pro-life leaders, such as David B. Wright. I don't know if you heard of him. I hadn't heard of him before I went either, so it's okay. Uh, (laughs) But this year we'll also have Abby Johnson, uh, who was a former CEO of a Planned Parenthood, who, uh, after witnessing an abortion, turned pro-life. So she'll be speaking there. We have a lot of uh, high-profile pro-life leaders being there, so it's a great conference. So we try to inform the youth about what they can do and how they can get involved. So, but the main thing that we do is that is is and this is the main thing I do is um, sidewalk counseling outside of Planned Parenthood, and what that involves is I will be standing outside of Planned Parenthood with a bright pink vest on, so that I look official and I look cute. Um, and as a car comes in or people walk into Planned Parenthood, I stop them and I wave at them, and I let them know, hey. We have a free pregnancy test just down the street, and hopefully that car will stop, and they'll roll down the window, and I'll lean over, and I'll talk to them, and I try to determine why they're coming to Planned Parenthood. And so I figure that out, figure out what resources they're coming for, and I try to let them know, hey, there's resources in the area we can send you to that offer the same care, if not better care, at a better price. 
And so hopefully they'll turn around and they'll seek services elsewhere at uh, places that are life-affirming. And so um, I brought some of the resources that we hand out with me so that you guys can take a look at them. And so uh, just for a quick demonstration of what we do, I'm going to ask my mom to walk up here. Okay? So pretend this is a car, okay? (laughs) She's coming up Forest Park. She's passing Diane with the mobile unit. Right out here, okay. She's coming up. All right. So I'm standing outside playing pan over here. All right. Hi. How are you doing today? Hi. Hi. So, <laughs> hey, so we're just on you now that um, just across the street at our new mobile medical unit, uh, you can see right there, it's the RV. <laughs> we have free pregnancy tests and ultrasounds. Um, so they offer them for free. You don't need an appointment. You can get in right away, probably. Uh, it can save you up to $150 as opposed to coming here. Um, I don't know if that's something you're coming here for today. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get information about an abortion. Okay, well, just to let you know, uh, <laughs> really, you had to go there? <laughs> All right, well, yeah, so I would have her pull around, we'd talk to her if I could, and um, we'd tell her that, hey, um, we can help you through whatever pregnancy you're going through. Uh, we can provide you with financial help through this pregnancy. We can provide you with supplies, different things like that. In fact, um, one time we had, I was working out there with a counselor, a coworker, who we saw a group of African-Americans, uh, two black females walking into Planned Parenthood with their kids, actually. That happens a lot. It's really weird. Um, but so we called out to them. We said, hey, before you guys go in there, can we talk to you real quick? So they came out of Planned Parenthood, and uh, they let us know that they were going in there for abortion. And uh, we told them, hey, that's, you don't have to do that. We're here to help you through your pregnancy. We can provide you with whatever you need. And so uh, we talked to them long enough, and one of them ended up deciding not to get the abortion. Uh, and the other one was still unsure about it, but she wasn't going to get it that day. And they were sisters. And so and it ended up being that we started a baby drive form. We raised a ton of supplies. Our office was overflowing with supplies, baby stuff everywhere. And uh, that counselor who I was working with was actually able to be at the hospital and hold the baby when it was born. <laughs> and then uh, so because the sister saw that the other sister was, able, was taken care of, she decided to keep her baby as well. So really cool. Um, so, yeah, so we would, in that situation, we would have them pull around. We would talk to them as much as we could, try to tell them about all the resources we have. But if they weren't coming for an abortion, if they were just coming for a pregnancy test, <laughs> I would be like, hey, you can go over to Diane at Thrive and get a free pregnancy test, get a free ultrasound. You wouldn't even need an appointment. And then they would pull around, and they would go over and see Diane or maybe Allison over at the Lindell office. Or she's probably usually at St. Charles, but um, so that's kind of what we do. Um, where are my notes? That's what we do on the sidewalk. In, in the five years that we've been doing this, we've seen over uh, 1,300 women turn away from Planned Parenthood uh, just in five years. And uh, in the first year, we only had 15 turnarounds, but this year we had around 380. So we're, we're constantly getting better, and it's been awesome because I've. I mean, it will be involved in 55 of those. So, uh, so and when they go to see an ultrasound, correct me if I'm wrong, Diane, but I think it's 90% chance of them choosing life. Yeah. Okay, so if they go and see their baby in ultrasound, 95% of the time they're going to keep their baby. 
Yeah, and even one of those times uh, when I was able to get a turnaround, uh, this was a really cool story. When I was working out there, uh, it, was, it was a shift late in the afternoon. It was really boring, which is great, which means there's no cars coming to Planned Parenthood, but I was just so bored. And uh, I, <laughs> I, w- I was praying. I was like, God, uh, somehow demonstrate your power here uh, through me, whatever it is. And uh, sure enough, out of the blue, five cars came into Planned Parenthood, which sucked, but... Um, <laughs> God, God worked through me and turned around each of those cars. And um, one of those cars actually ended up uh, meeting with my mom <laughs> over at Thrive, uh, right off Mid Rivers Mall Drive, and uh, she kept her baby. So I thought that was just really cool how it kind of loops all of what we're doing together. And uh, it's awesome how God works through of us. And so um, not only do we just refer them to different places, but we also uh, had them fill out a referral form. When we decide to have, when we when we're able to get them to turn around, and so what that involves is people uh, put their contact information on there so that we can follow up with them, call them, and see if they need any of our help, any other places where we can refer them, see how they're doing, make sure they got the treatment they needed, and things along those lines. Um, so you might be wondering how you can get involved. Uh, we got a 40 Days for Life campaign coming up this February on the 10th. So that would involve uh, you guys signing up to maybe be a volunteer out there. Whenever we need you, we can call you up and be like, hey, if you're available this day, we have an open slot for you guys just to come on the sidewalk and pray, hold a sign. Uh, it's really not that scary. <laughs> You'll be fine. Uh, we did have some cupcakes thrown at us one time, but it's just cupcakes, you know, it's fine. I mean, <laughs> they taste great. Um, <laughs> so... You can do that, um, or we as a church could adopt a day where we send out um, at least two people per shift. So we want to have two people on the sidewalk each hour that we're there. It'd only be 7 to 7, so that's just 12 hours. So at a minimum, just 24 people from our church would have to be there for one day. I feel like that's pretty doable. I could be out there six hours with you guys. I've done that before, so that would be one person right there for six hours. Um, or um, we have volunteer positions at Coalition um, that ranges from sidewalk counseling to just office work, data entry. Um, we, we can always use help with our mailing lists, licking stamps, pretty easy, pretty boring. I would rather get stuff thrown at me. That's more fun. Uh, <laughs> but if that's something you guys would be up for, we have uh, positions there. Also, if you're a student, um, we have an internship, which is what I'm a part of. So it starts with $8 per hour. It um, allows you to do sidewalk counseling, and you do work in the office, and there's room for advancement and uh, raise and pay. It's a really awesome job. I love it. So, um, And then lastly, let's see here. We have a petition that we're floating around. It's a petition to make Missouri the first abortion-free state in the union. There's only one surgical abortion facility, and that's the one at the Central West End. So uh, we're trying to get a petition to revoke their license to make us abortion-free. And we have a challenge going around where we have a, a paper, the petition, I have it with me. It's got 10 slots on it, so we want you guys to find 10 people to sign it and then mail it in to us. Uh, it's, you know, if you could do that, that would be awesome. So I'll pass them around. Now, you're one person, right? Do you know your name, Allison? Right? Do you know your address? Do you maybe have an email? That's cool. So you got a start, right? You got one person, okay? Here you go. If you're feeling really ambitious, you could get 26 people to sign that petition. You think you could do it? So you could do the 10, right? Okay, awesome. Cool. So um, 
if you wouldn't mind passing these out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and ultimately, um, the reason, I just kind of want to share real quick why I got involved doing something like this. Um, I've always thought back on history and thought, yeah, if everybody could take one or two or five or whatever you fill up for, that'd be awesome. I've always looked back on history and looked at the Nazis and seen, hey, how did we, how did they let 11 million people get killed? How did people let white people enslave black people? How did we just let those things happen? And I always thought to myself, if I was alive during those periods, I would have done something about it. And then I thought, wait, 11 million people killed by the Nazis. Does anybody know how many abortions have been done since 1973? Yeah, it's about 60 million right now. So that's almost six times as much (laughs) as the Nazis. So I thought to myself, I need to be doing something now about that. And I feel like um, as a church, whenever an evil this great is around, we're all called to do something whether that's being a sidewalk counselor, being a prayer volunteer, or signing a petition, I think we're all called to be involved in some way. And ultimately, we might not see the end to abortion in our time period, but that's fine with me. Now, I would rather it end. But the reason I'm doing this isn't just to see results, but I'm doing it because I feel like God has called me to do that. And so uh, I just kind of want to share one quick story from the sidewalk. That's my favorite. Uh, I was working out there one day on a Saturday when they have escorts, out there, and so when a car pulls in, I'll be talking to it. Uh, but let's say Austin's in the escort; he'll be yelling at me. Come on, yell at me. Let's go. Get back. <laughs> All right, you don't have to listen to that. <laughs> That's literally what it is. They'll blow whistles at me too. That's not an exaggeration. Um, so they were doing that, and um, I kind of like to talk to the escorts, have fun with them. But this escort kind of trash talked me. She said, uh, "You know what you're doing out here isn't affecting anything, right?" And I was like, well, that's kind of weird because you're only out here because I'm out here. But, um, <laughs> so, um, but the very next car that came in, I was able to get him to turn around. And so I felt kind of like that hero in a movie walking away from an explosion. Uh, it's pretty tight, pretty dope. But uh, that's, that's not why I love that story. Um, what I love about it is it gives you an interest, interest, interesting perspective on things. Um, that escort completely missed the point. Um, the reason why I'm there isn't so that I can get turnarounds or shut down Planned Parenthood, which I want to do that. Those are great reasons for being out there, but I'm simply there because I believe that God has called me to be there. And so I need to be the best vessel that I can be uh, that God chooses to work his will through. And so I just encourage you guys to do that and help out however you can. So I'll have stuff afterwards for you guys to look at uh, and you know help us however you can. So thanks. Thank you. That's what you get for not using the pulpit. <laughs> we have another Grunder who's going to share, Steve Grunder, about Sunshine Mission. He's going to tell us about. I'll just help. You, you just go and I'll help. Well, you know, since I uh, have a gray beard and uh, thinning hair and. Uh, Hey, just remember, I get the pulpit every week, so be careful what yeah. you say about and, me. Be and careful. Potentially other similarities. I will, uh, I will go ahead and, and use the pulpit. Uh, originally in the order, I was supposed to be uh, first, I think, before Ben. It's not fair for me to have to follow uh, 
one of my heroes, you know. So, uh, true story. So, uh, Sunshine Ministries. I sent a, uh, I sent a PowerPoint. But there we go. Look at that. Somebody worked uh, tirelessly on that. Um, we've been working. We've been partnering here at uh, Liberty with uh, Sunshine Ministries for for a number of years now. And uh, our, uh, they, they have a num- number of ministries, but what we uh, primarily engage with is the uh, emergency homeless shelter for men in downtown St. Louis. Uh, they also uh, provide services to women and children and uh, have a youth uh, summer camp, I think, out in Forestdale and things like that. So, But uh, um, their emergency homeless shelter, they provide a clean, safe uh, place to sleep for guys. I think they have about 40, 50 guys there. Uh, and gets them off the street, um, gives them uh, a couple meals a day, and I think a sack lunch for um, for when they're not there. Um, and it also gives them some structure um, and uh, um, gives them uh, the good news of God's love for them, you know, for people who are really in desperate situations. These are people who've hit uh, rock bottom in so many ways. There's a lot of uh, history of... Uh, uh, drug abuse or alcoholism, and uh, these guys are, um, you know, at rock bottom. You know, the good thing about that is that's a place where God can reach them. And so Amen. Um, showing them God's love and uh, uh, just encouraging them, um, giving them the word, and um, just uh, letting them know they're, they're not forgotten and people care about them is, is, is a, a big deal. Amen. Um, a little bit of the history. They're the oldest uh, homeless shelter in St. Louis. Um, they were founded in 1903. I uh, found out from their website that they, during the Depression, they served uh, an average of 100,000 men per year during the Depression. That just tells you a little bit about, um, um, you know, some, some changes between then and now. Um, it's kind of interesting, I thought. Also, from a historical perspective, our family, uh, a little family history of involvement with them. When uh, Ben was uh, young, he was probably about... Uh, five to eight years old, somewhere in there. Um, he was looking for uh, uh, some place to uh, contribute money to the poor. He had about $300, and uh, <laughs> he wanted to give it to the poor. So we, uh, we found Sunshine Ministries, and uh, he w- went down there and gave that, and um, uh, they took him on a little tour, showed him all the things that uh, his money would go toward, and that was really neat. And then when Anna was uh, about the same age, she wanted to do the same thing, and she did that. Now that he's working for money, I'm not sure. Um, you know, you have to ask him whether he wants it back or not. But, um, but I think that's uh, that's an important thing, you know, for for us as parents to expose our children to the ministries that are going on out there, and and you know, and how we can help people. Um, uh, as far as Liberty and Sunshine, uh, what we um, how we partner with them is they have a program where uh, groups can come volunteer to. Um, uh, serve a meal, a dinner, um, each night of the week uh, with with the guys there, prepare a meal and serve it to them. Um, a work group that I was uh, with once, we went down there too. So it's not, it's not always uh, necessarily a Christian group. But um, in our case, uh, we go, we prepare the dinner, um, lead a worship service. There's music and um, uh, a message, about 10, 15 minutes. Um, and that kind of leads us into how you can serve. Um, 
it's really good for us to have about eight volunteers. That's what we had this last time on December 28th. And uh, that really allows us to um, spend a lot of time talking with the guys because we've got uh, uh, plenty of people there to cover the serving of the meal, the preparing of the meal, um, cleanup afterwards. And it was really great this past time because uh, the Browns came down and they really handled uh, the preparation of the meal and uh, Ben Inman as well. And a number of uh, others of us were able to really sit down and have good conversations with the guys. Um, I was able to talk to like four people in depth and pray with three of them, and it's it's just good if we can get if we can get uh, a lot of folks involved. Um, then there's there's a lot of more a lot more time for um, involvement there and uh, praying and sharing and things like that. But um, we do have a number of things that people can help with: preparing the meal, serving the meal, cleaning up. Um, music for worship is a really key role. Um, Matt Whitty handled that for a long time, and then Brian recently has really helped out well. Um, even one time we had to do uh, a cappella, and, uh, and it really went well. And uh, this last time he came, brought his guitar, he was uh, a little frustrated with it. So uh, one of the guys down there played the piano, So uh, and that was really special. You know, you just, just had one of the guys come up and play. It was awesome, you know. It's like you never know. You know, it's one of those things God wants us to be available, right? He wants us to to go and, uh, you know, just let him do what he wants to do. And it was, it was really a special, special thing. The key thing is he wants us um, to be available. And uh, then the, there's also a message, 10 to 15 minute message that's delivered. Um, uh, Lauren did this a while back and did a great job. Uh, the last few times it's been me, and as many of you know and can tell, I'm not really a public speaker, and as many of you know, I'm not really even a private speaker. So, so the bar is low. Uh, jump on over. Um, or just step on over. Um, and like I said, you know, the, the, the really one of the things I'd like to get to is where we have more time to talk and pray with the guys because I think that's a, that's a big part of it. All, all of it, though, really speaks to them. I know, they, I know they appreciate that folks are coming down there to serve them in any way we can, and uh, it, it's a really good thing to see. Um, so our schedule, to let you know, is the fourth Monday of every even month. So every two months, but it's every even month. I, I finally figured that out, uh, that it was even months. That was easier to tell. Um, and the next opportunity to serve is February 22nd. Uh, the time is 5.45 to 7.30. And that's uh, 5.45 sharp, as Mike McDonough could tell you, because he came down this last time when there was all that flooding. It took him a long time to get down there, and he was standing out there in uh, no one would let that let him in. So it is important to be on time. But th- there's a reason for that. You know, they really emphasize uh, timeliness because these guys down there are usually in a situation where their lives are very chaotic, and they try to put a really tight schedule on them, give them some structure. That's one of the things that it, it provides for them is, you know, they may they may used to just not really having a lot of structure in their life. And so... Um, uh, that that is one thing that they uh, I think they've cut off uh, Ed before when he was talking pretty much and said you know you're over time because they really want to do keep it to a schedule and we can be a witness in that um, and we are looking into potentially expanding to once every month if we can get the 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 folks committed to do that um, that would be great 
And then there's, uh, if you want more information on Sunshine Ministries, there's a website. Um, if you want to participate, basically contact me. Um, there's my email, that's preferred, or my phone. And generally, a couple weeks before we uh, have our next event, we start sending out emails to the church mailing list. So get on the church mailing list if you're not, and uh, you can find out other things that we're doing as a church. And that's about it. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're going to have Hannah Bond come up briefly. Keyword briefly. And then we'll conclude our service with uh, prayer. You'll be amazed at the brevity of this. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, that's hilarious. Um, so my name is Hannah Vaughn. For those of you who don't know me, I'm 25 years old. I've been at this church since this church started. And um, I'm a graduate student at Covenant Seminary. And one of my um, components of my degree program that I'm in actually is an internship um, where I am basically trying to foster relationships between um, young people in the suburbs and the homeless community of St. Louis. And so it's kind of about bridging this gap. Um, When I was saved in 2008, the Lord placed a call on my heart for justice and compassion ministries. He just showed me that you cannot divorce your spiritual life from your practical engagement with what's going on in the world. So whether that's human trafficking or abortion or poverty or homelessness, these things matter to the Lord. Like, they matter to the Lord. If you've read the Bible, you'll know that over 2,000 times the word justice is mentioned. That's more than a lot of the other words that we try to emphasize in our lives, but the word justice is mentioned over 2,000 times, and it says that justice and righteousness are the foundation of his throne. And so in Isaiah 1, it says, I, the Lord, love justice, and I want to be where Jesus is, and I want to love what he loves. And as Ben says, I want to do what he's calling me to do. And so by, call, by being called to know him and love him, we are called as a church to engage these things. So um, the past several years, I've been working with um, the Bridge St. Louis, um, which is an uh, emergency day shelter. Actually, they're not a night shelter. They're a day shelter serving three meals a day. Um, and also part of my job with them has been to lead people on educational, experiential tours of the city, helping people get an inside look at homelessness. So we go from shelter to shelter, from service to service, in the cold, rain, or shine, and we talk about what it's like to have a survival mentality while you're on the streets and what kind of psycho- psychological effect that can take and, and how are those needs met. And if it's a Christian group that I'm leading, then I always talk about how the gospel meets those needs. And uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. So, however, um, this going into this semester, um, I have a few college students. Um, who's here that's a part of it? Sarah, Ethan, uh, Mike Smith, who's not here, Spencer, and um, who else? Who am I miss forgetting? Jordan, Jordan Arnold. Um, Austin's come down with us a few times and the Wilson girls. So I have a small group because I've asked kind of for a level of commitment in order to have consistent relationships. So I have a small group that I've been taking down to the bridge to help serve meals, um, share the gospel, and just engage with people. And it's been really cool. Um, however, going into this semester, we're actually transitioning. The Bridge St. Louis is going through a ton of transition right now. They are trying to find a new location. They're changing some of their services. So we are actually transitioning to working with a new shelter. Um, it's not new. It's not like a new shelter. It's just new to us. So um, called Peter and Paul. And Peter and Paul Social Services, they're located on the south side of the city. Um, And they also have an emergency shelter, and they house about 70 men. Um, And we will be kind of doing very similar things to what um, our adult group does at Sunshine. And um, 
I'm also really excited because they have an entire chess room where we get to play chess. <laughs> and I'm really bad at chess. Um, so it'll be fun. Um, but, you know, one of the things that... Um, 45 seconds, basically. Um, one of the things that the Lord um, has struck my heart with just throughout following Jesus is that um, his word speaks to the issue of poverty and homelessness. And I think most of the time we read the Bible for like, we're just kind of looking for something to make us feel better about our lives. Like that's, does anyone agree that that's sometimes how you treat your quiet times? Yes, you should all be saying yes. Um, And so, I mean, that's just sometimes what we do, right? And sometimes we are in hard places and the Lord ministers comforting words to us and it's awesome because he's just so kind and gracious. But this thing wasn't just written to make us feel good. And so, you know, as I have spent time in the word and especially like read Proverbs and circle every time that the Lord mentions the poor, like it's a weighty thing. It says that he who mocks the poor insults his maker, And it says, he who mocks the poor will get a curse, or he who hides his eyes from the poor will get a curse. And I just, I put myself in that verse, and I think, how many times have I walked past a homeless person and turned my eyes? You know, and what does the word say about my level of engagement with that? So, um, yeah, so I can't really invite you unless you're a college student to join us, because I'm just hanging out with college students. Um, But if you are in college, and if you are interested in getting involved and going down with us probably about three times a month this semester, um, do come and talk to me or shoot me an email, Facebook message, or a text. Um, And there's great promise in being faithful to the Lord in these areas of justice and mercy and compassion. Um, And so I just invite you guys into that. Um, And I'm really excited about this transition, and hopefully next time that I share, I'll be able to tell you about Peter and Paul and what it's looked like. So... Thank you guys so much. Thank you. So the Lord is uh, doing wonderful things through people here. And, uh, of course, the, the, the point of the service is not to brag about anything we are doing. It is to acknowledge God's call on the church. Uh, and we're a part of the church. It's to, but it is to acknowledge his work. Amen. Um, and because each ministry here is really, we could say, a token of that grace which abounds much more where sin abounds. And so we want to be where God is working, rescuing, saving, healing, redeeming people's lives. Because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? Let's stand together. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry we heard about today. We ask your protection and blessing on all those that are serving in uh, the Zoe ministry. We also pray that um, you would continue to expand our understanding, our vision, and our burden for those in need around us. We give you all the glory, Lord, for all that is being done in and through us. May Jesus be praised. Amen? Amen.